0: You know, I wear fro all the time. I love my hair. State Representative Lakeisha Bosley wants to talk about your hair. You know, putting their hair in whatever way they want to, like you can cut it off if you want to. Why does hair makes that big of a
1: difference? The St. Louis-based Democrat has introduced a bill in Jefferson City. It's called the CROWN Act. That's an acronym for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. The bill would prohibit discrimination in the workplace, in schools, public accommodations, and other areas based on the hairstyles worn by some people of color. That includes braids, afros, curls, twists, and dreadlocks. You
0: know, some people actually do come out and say it and say, well, I can't hire you because your hair looks like that. Um, What are you going to do to your hair? You know, this is a professional place of business.
1: I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Before we move on, I want to remind you that the biggest source of St. Louis Public Radio's funding comes from listeners like you. Because you value what you hear on St. Louis on the Air, donate today. Go to stlpr.org slash donate. That's stlpr.org slash donate. Representative, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate
0: it um, to have the conversation. You know, a lot of times we don't get to have these conversations, but thank
1: you for uh, giving me the platform to talk about it. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing this up. Tell us about this Crown Act. How big an issue is discrimination against natural hair?
0: Um, It's a very big issue. Um, This is a national movement. This is not something that is just here in Missouri. It's all over the country. When you Google natural hair discrimination, you find a lot of different um, stories that come up about 12 year olds and three year olds and four and five year olds who have been discriminated against um, in educational institutions. (laughs) There was a girl um, in Louisiana who could not go to school. They banned her from a Catholic school. This is a Christian Catholic school because of her natural hair, because she had braids. Um, a young boy who was um, who was a wrestler, he had to cut his locks on the mat during a wrestling match or be forced to forfeit. And when we have these types of situations happen, um, you're pretty much demonizing people for just being who they are, naturally just being them and representing their culture um, or just, you know, putting their hair in whatever way they want to. Like you can mm-hmm. cut it off if you want to. Why does hair makes that big of a difference? Um it's especially a great question. in education. Yeah, like, why
1: why would teachers care about this? Do you have any sense with the root of of the the passion around this issue for people who'd wanna tamp down this hair? Yeah, I mean, let's think about
0: it in a in a in a broader sense. You're worried about hair, now you're pretty much disenfranchising this child from learning. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Like they can't learn just because they are just being. Like, what sense in it? In, in. I don't know what anybody else if they feel a certain way
1: in hearing that. I can't learn because I was created this way. Mhm. And this is what my hair naturally does. <laughs> Here I am and they're saying that's not good enough, go away. Exactly. Um it's a it's a way to make
0: young girls and boys of color to feel like they have to conform to society's um Ideas of what is beautiful and what is acceptable. Uh, I think that is problematic because society should tell us and it has told us that we can be whatever we want if you're white. But if you're black, you can't do that. You have to be 10 times greater and still not get accepted into a job. But now, not only am I not qualified because of my educational background, but now I'm not qualified because I wear braids or because I have kinky, coily hair if it's 4C or I have locks because I'm tender headed and it's better for me to like just be able to have um, locks to, because it's more manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a lot that goes into that. Representative Bosley,
1: is this something that you have ever had to deal with personally?
0: Absolutely. Um, during my campaign, I was always told that I needed to look more presentable. Hmm. I needed to do something with my hair. Um, because I used to wear a puff. It was easy for me to just put my hair up in a nice little puff, brush it on the sides and just get it and go to go knock on doors. Mind you, I was knocking doors in 100 degree weather. Right? Who has time to straighten their hair every day, first and foremost. And secondly, my hair is going to poof back up anyway. Mm -hmm. So I might as well just let it be how it's going to be, which is kinky Cooley. Um And one of the most memorable moments during my campaign was when I just got hot. I had on a wig, you know, I tried to do the conform. Uh, I tried to conform. Hmm. I had on a wig and I snatched the wig off as I was campaigning. Like as I was knocking doors, I snatched the wig off because I just could not do it.
1: How do you deal with those kind of comments? You're there. You're you're trying to get people's votes. But at the same time, for somebody saying, like, you can't do your hair this way, they're really coming at the core of who you are absolutely um but not only just the core of who
0: i am but the core of my culture Mm -hmm. you're coming at the core of many of women and men who have been this way for 400 thousands of years and plus and so forth that you with braids if we go back through african culture braids were symbols of a, a higher statute in in certain patterns braids if they were braided in a um a woven pattern showed the landscape of how the land was, so that you'll know where your home was or where a certain tribe was. Like, it, it, there is more of, of a history and an appreciation for being a natural-haired woman or just being who you want to be, period, without having to have someone tell you that what
1: you believe in is not important enough. Mm-hmm. Well, you Look, you make a great case for this, but that leads us to the next point, and that's you know having a law that would prohibit discrimination based on this. How do you affect something that would actually end up being effective in stopping this? It feels like maybe some people, they'd say, oh, I'm not going to hire that person because of their hair. They're not going to come right out and say it. It's something that's a lot. More insidious. So, how do you begin to use the law to, to make this illegal?
0: Well, it's, it's actually worse than that. You know, some people actually do come out and say it and say, mm-hmm. Well, I can't hire you because your hair looks like that. Um, what are you going to do to your hair? You know, this is a professional place of business. Um, and you use the law to tell. A, To tell these um, CEOs and these corporate leaders and small businesses and whomever else feels like they have the authority Mm -hmm. to tell someone that you're not qualified just because your hair is naturally curly. Um, the law has been in place to tell people what is right and wrong from the beginning of its existence, right? You can't get service if you don't wear a shirt and shoes. So why is it that I can't put in the law or someone can uh, make a law that says you can't discriminate against
1: someone because of their natural hair? Mm -hmm. You're saying it is that insidious. People are flat out saying, well, that's... Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so you've said this is a national effort. Do you know, have other states passed something like this at this point? yeah there has been um 18 states if
0: i'm not mistaken i know kansas city um in missouri actually passed a law on their council level on the local level um Shameem clark hubbard in the city of st louis right now um just got the bill out of committee it was uh passed out of committee um five to zero um with the legislative committee so it, it's it's not just a, a a national movement this is a local issue um and with her being a hairstylist for over 20 plus years Um, She really, truly understands what it means for a young woman or a young man to sit in a chair and feel beautiful, but then have to suggest to themselves and tone themselves down because society or or their businesses um, tell them that they can't do that because they come off um, aggressive. You know, I wear fro all the time. I love my hair. Um, I think it's one of, you know, it's my crown and glory. You know, the good book tells us that, right? Um, For sure. so i I think legislatively telling people you can't discriminate against someone is absolutely imperative because remember um black people were only considered three-fifths of a man before Mm -hmm. um in, in legislation um legislation was passed for redlining where we couldn't black people couldn't um apply for loans or get into certain housing districts because of legislation so why can't we do the same to tell people you can't tell someone that they are wrong for
1: just doing what's naturally um, a part of just who they are. So you mentioned this is um, making some progress at the Board of Aldermen. You're in a a trickier situation there in the Missouri House of Representatives. Um, The Republicans have control there. Every year they seem to talk about wanting to do tort reform. They want to make things easier for businesses, not add more regulations. Do you have any hope that the Missouri House could be on board uh, for the argument you're making here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it passed out of the house um, last
0: year. Um- former representative now senator barbara washington um carried the bill last year on the house side and she passed it out it it was passed out of the house unfortunately it didn't get out of the senate because of uh you know COVID reasons Mm -hmm. um and a lot of the bills that we pushed through were strictly related to covid releasing gun um reducing gun violence um and things of that nature Um, so the Senate I think kind that of there a the but,
1: but here, yeah. n- with a new session, you could bring this back. Does that mean you'll have to push it through the House all over again? Absolutely. I have to go
0: through the entire process. And for us, it's easy for someone to say, well, it's not vetted, but it is vetted because it passed through this entire body once before.
1: That's a great point there. I mean, you can just say, hey, guys, we're asking you to do exactly what you did last session. You think that they'll be willing to listen to that?
0: I think they are. I think that there is a temperature for it. Um, I think that, you know, people see us fight more than they see us actually working together pretty much 98% of the bills that we uh, we have come up on the floor are really bipartisan bills. Um, but we just, uh, media and just other representatives, of course, constituency bases, you know, we just like to harp on the things that makes us different. And I am a strong believer in just, you know, acknowledging the things that makes us um, similar so that we can attend to
1: get a lot more pass for Missourians across the board. Representative, we actually have a colleague of yours who has called in here. I think this is a great time to take this call. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Representative Mike Person is here on the line. Uh, Representative Person, hello. You're on St. Louis on the Air.
2: Hello. Hey, sis. How you doing? I'm glad.
1: I'm good. Hey, Mike. What's going on?
2: Hey. It's always good to do a shout out to my fellow colleagues uh, uh, on on your subject matter. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. Here in the 21st century, we are still having this conversation about uh, Eurocentric uh, values as far as what is style and what is acceptable as opposed to Afrocentric. And the reality is it really doesn't matter, but we put still a strong emphasis on it. And it has an uh, intrinsic impact on African-American ladies because they feel that somehow there's something inadequate about the way their hair grows naturally. So mm-hmm. I'm just glad to hear that you are there addressing something that at this day and age, we shouldn't have to still be addressing. But but we are, and you're on it, and it's good to hear from you, sis. I will see you soon and Jefferson. I appreciate
0: you for saying that. You know, I, I appreciate that a thousand percent, and you know I do, and I
1: can't wait to work with you, uh, continuing to work with you. Well, there was a great surprise call there from Representative Mike Person giving a shout out to the work that our guest today, that's Representative Lakeisha Bosley, is doing in Jefferson City. She's talking to us about the Crown Act, which passed the House last year. They're going to have to pass it again this year. This would uh, prohibit discrimination in the workplace, schools, public accommodations, and other areas based on the hairstyles worn by some people of color. We do need to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with Representative Bosley. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, point. 7kwmu back to our conversation, we're joined today by State Representative Lakeisha Bosley, who's working on some big things in Jefferson City. And Representative, it's worth noting you're beginning your second term this month. You're just 28 years old. What was it like starting in the Missouri House in your mid-20s? That seems like an unusual thing for for somebody in their 20s to want to do, much less to be able to do. Yeah, I mean... I was one of the the
0: people beforehand who felt a way about government, you know, who didn't want to participate in it. I was a part of that millennial clique hmm. at Once Upon a Time. Um, You know, my parents were and my father was a board of aldermen member for over 30 years. Um, My mother is a committee woman um, and she has been for um, over a decade now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I grew up in politics. You know, my my brother Freeman Jr. was the first African-American mayor for the city of St. Louis. So politics was not something or public service was not something that I was new to. Mm -hmm. Um, I just saw it um and constantly hearing my peers tell me that they didn't think that the system was valid it didn't work for us it 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 made me feel away um and and I had to run for office i felt an obligation because i i knew how the system worked but i wanted to show them that we have our backs like we are still here our voices matter they should not be put up to the a, put a put a, to the wayside they should be at the forefront of the conversations and we should be in the impor- in the rooms having the important conversations um so i i didn't have an interest in running for <laughs> political office you know it made me late for basketball games and <laughs> track meets like who who wanted to participate in something like that but when i went off to college at tennessee state university um my first year I realized that it was important to be a part of the conversation if not doing something on the backside with like nonprofits or helping people run their campaigns, good people, then to be the actual person that ran. Hmm. It
1: sounds like you saw the the non-glamorous side of the job front and center when you were a kid. All the time. Yeah. I mean, that (laughs) has to have an impact on someone. But you were able to overcome that. It wasn't a particular issue. It was sort of the, the obligation for somebody to speak for your generation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, my dad showed me a a level of humility that I've never seen before. This is a man who would pull over on the side of the road um, if he's getting waved down by one of his constituents just to answer um, one of their problems, no matter where he had to be. You know, he they, they used to say, you know, he's on Bosley time, <laughs> and being late all the time, right? Um, but it was because he was actually doing the people's work. Like he wasn't, you know, just throwing it to the wind. Like he was actually out in the streets with his constituents working with them, Making sure that their questions was answered so I got to see the glamorous side of it but the not so glamorous side you know was more so of me just being a kid um and having the ego that I had to feel like I deserve to go to basketball games on time pop um (laughs) more so than him you know taking care of the people at the time and then I grew to appreciate it. Um he was my he was my black panther and my superman before there was even a comic or even a movie. Mm-hmm. Like
1: he was he was always my hero. So I got to see everything. And as far, you know, everybody in your family, there's so many different people you could turn to for political advice. Your brother, your father, your your brother Brandon is now an alderman um currently yes. in this in the city of St. Louis as well. Who's your sounding yes. board these days? Um. Everybody's my sounding
0: board. Uh, you got a lot of sounding boards. I have a lot of sounding boards, but you know the the biggest sounding board is my constituency. Um. If they tell me no, then I'm I'm voting with them. I'm going to be with them. If I morally don't agree with something, I would explain that. I believe as a public servant, you should be able to tell anybody why you vote the way that you voted and give them adequate you know reasons. And if they disagree, then it's a it's a way to be uh, disagreeable without being disagreeable. Hmm. Um, So I, I my sounding board is is just people, period. If I can talk to you and you make reason and your arguments are valid and after I do research, then
1: why not? So most of the people in your family, with the exception of your mother, but um, they've been men in politics. You're doing it as a woman. You told our producer one of the real surprises for you when you got into politics was how women are perceived. How so? Yes. Um, we have to always have a double standard for
0: women in um, politics or in position, any position of power, right? So if I am a woman. I can't be too emotional because mm-hmm. if I'm too emotional, then I seem er- I, I seem erratic. I'm um, I'm out of place. I'm out of pocket. But if I'm not emotional enough, which we saw what happened with Hillary Clinton when she was running for president, that I'm too stern. I don't show enough emotion. But as a black woman, that's also a stigma that if I show too much emotion, then I'm the mad black woman. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the angry black woman. But if I don't show enough emotion as a black woman, then it's she's cold hearted. What is she thinking? If she's not thinking anything, then I can't work with her. I can't deal with her. Um, So. I didn't realize that it was this much uh, of a double standard for how people can just talk to one another (laughs) um, and simply just disagree with one another. I didn't realize
1: that until um, I ran for public office. So now that you're a seasoned old pro at 28, uh, (laughs) do you feel like you're you're finding that right balance, or do you not even care about that right balance? You're just you're going to be you. I, I think that it's important for
0: us to just be us. Um, I am passionate about criminal justice reform. I'm passionate about um, discrimination against natural hair. I'm passionate about all of these things. Why can't I show that passion? Um yes, I can take the, the the approach of just relaying the information, which is always it. But if you've ever found any public speaker, an effective public speaker, they have octaves in their voices. You know, they, they actually relay a story. They tell you the truth with how they sound. So why can't I do the same thing? So, I mean, I care, but I really don't.
1: <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> you know, I want to bring it back. You mentioned the Crown Act there again. And we did have a, a caller who called in. We don't have time to take this call but I do want to raise this issue that he raised because I imagine he might be speaking for others who are worried about this as well and I'd love to give you a chance to respond to this this is Saul who called from Washington Missouri he says he's a restaurant owner he has concerns about businesses not being able to regulate hairstyles as it relates to food preparation and health and safety and representative Bosley I'd love to hear your response to that concern
0: Um, I understand that but we have nets um, in any food industry, they tell you you have to wear a net on your head, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have locks, your locks are long, but you still have a net that's long enough to conceal and obtain those locks. And some people wear double um, the nets to be able to, you know, catch any of those follicles that could potentially fall into the food. It's not about a regulation of that, and that is more so for your local level um, than it is on the state level. This bill actually discriminate um, bans discrimination in educational institutions, which is. Is what the state has control over. Um, however, I don't. I disagree that you have to conform in a way um, to make the
1: safety regulations because we already have things in place to do that. Okay. Well, that, I think that's a, that's a great answer there. I hope Saul was able to hear that. And just hearing you talk, and, and man, you are fast on your feet. You were ready with that. Um, do you see politics as your long-term future? I mean, is this? you said you were reluctant to get into it. Now that you're in, are you all in?
0: I'm all in because the people are all in, you know, I fight for them. Um, I'm here because they wanted me to be here. If they didn't want me to be here, they wouldn't have never elected me. Um, and that's the approach that I take. I am here for as long as the people want me to be here, as long as they want me to continue to advocate and have a voice and step up to the plate, then I will do that. Um, I'm also, you know, very comfortable in just being a state representative right now. You know, we we, we see people want to climb the political ladder a lot, you know, with their eyes their sights on something else but if you have your sights on something else then you're not focusing what's directly in front of you. So let's focus on what we can change right now and me being a state representative and you know if the people want me to do anything further I will but right now I'm just comfortable being a state rep.
1: Well State Representative Lakeisha Bosley I want to thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you for having me and I appreciate you as I said before giving me the platform to talk about these things. Um, i I sometimes it just gets dismissed. So I
1: appreciate you for allowing us to have this space. Well, and I appreciate you working on this issue. I mean, this has just been, it's been good for us to to hear about. And you know, people who have questions, turns out you have answers for those questions. And so it's, it's great to get this discussion in. And we do want to say to our listeners, if today's conversation about uh, black hair discrimination resonated with you, you might be interested in a discussion we're going to host in early February. New research by the Journal of American Academy of Dermatology says doctors have noticed a 400% increase in hair shedding among people of color. And on February 4th, I'll talk with Abra McField. She's the CEO and founder of Abracadabra Hair and Healing. She'll explain how stress from the pandemic and racial injustice has led to an increase in hair loss. within the black community and what all of us can do to mitigate hair loss caused by stress. So we want to hear from you. Have you experienced hair loss in the past year? Tell us about your experience and you can also send us your questions. To do that, you can email talk at stlpublicradio.org or you can call and leave us a voicemail. We have a dedicated line for that. No one will pick up. You can just leave your message. It's 314-516-6397. That's 314-516-news. And before we say goodbye today, a reminder that we always welcome your questions and comments. That might be a recommendation for someone to interview, a personal story you'd like to share, or in the case of this caller, a suggestion of how we can best serve our community.
3: This is Barbie Anderson. I live in Southwest City, and in listening to all the updates via commercial radio and television as well as uh, KWMU, I am struck by the idea that Contact information and update information on the COVID-19 vaccines never includes a way to call on by phone. You know, part of my frustration with this is that it always leaves out a group of people who don't have either, and it's often the poor people or older people. And no wonder they're at the, la- at the end of the line when it comes to getting any kind of benefits.
1: So thank you to Barb Anderson for bringing this issue to our attention. And if you're a resident of St. Louis City and you would prefer to schedule a COVID-19 vaccine appointment by phone, you should call the city's health department hotline. Get your pen and paper ready because Barb has that number for you.
3: The number is 657-1499, the city health department's COVID hotline, 657-1499.
1: And that is 314-657-1499. Now if you for learned Louis something County new from today's episode, to consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Illinois residents can reach that state's hotline at one 800 889 3931. That's one 800 889 3931 Now, suffice to say, getting a vaccine is likely to be a whole different hurdle even after you call these numbers. But those are the numbers to sign up. And again, we want to say thank you to Barb for putting that issue on our radar and also pointing us towards those numbers. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.